Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show all about workers' rights and social justice. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast to you around the country on Community Radio Network. I'm Dennis Rogatyuk. I hope all of you had a wonderful and relaxing Easter break. And as for those who chose to spend their holidays working rather than being with their families, I hope that your labor got the full penalty rates award that it deserves. There was something special about this particular Easter, and not just because it could potentially be the last Easter that the current coalition government enjoys in Canberra. For the people of Ireland and the Irish expats and descendants across the world, including in Australia, Easter 2016 marks the beginning of celebrations to commemorate the Easter Rising of 1916. On the morning of April 24th of 1916, thousands of armed Irish patriots under the command of the Irish Volunteers and the Irish Citizens Army stormed the General Post Office and several other major buildings in Dublin. Leading the Volunteers were Patrick Pearce, James Connolly, Thomas J. Clark, Sean McDermott, Joseph Plunkett, Eamon Kant, and Thomas McDonough. It was at the old GPO on O'Connell Street where Patrick Pearce read out the proclamation of the Irish Republic and declared the foundation of the provisional government of the Irish Republic. Over the next five days, the combined force of the Irish Volunteers and the Irish Citizens Army fought the British occupation forces throughout the city. On April 29th, the defenders of the Young Republic were overwhelmed by more than 16,000 British troops brought into the city and forced to surrender. Over the next month, all leaders of the Easter Rising were executed, but not before igniting a spark of rebellion that would inspire Ireland to fight for its independence and continue to be remembered as a milestone in the struggle against British imperialism and the foundation of a free and democratic republic. On our show today, we'll be joined by one of our more regular guests, Dave Gibney. We will discuss the legacy of the 1916 Rising, the role of James Connolly, and what we can learn from the experience of the Rising for the social and political movements of Ireland and the rest of the world. We now have with us Dave Gibney, the communications and campaigns organizer at Mandate Trade Union and one of the coordinators of the Right to Water movement. Dave, welcome back to Stick Together. Thank you very much. Yes, I also forgot to mention that uh, Dave used to be the presenter for the Connolly Show right here, at, right here at 3CR, and is joining us for this uh, special uh, episode on uh, the Easter Rising, the centenary of the Easter Rising, and James Connolly. So, Dave, um, could you could you tell us about the celebrations of the centenary? in Dublin and Ireland as a whole that have, that have happened um, there so far? Yeah, um, with this weekend being um, the Easter uh, weekend, uh, the state, the Irish government have decided that they will commemorate the anniversary of the Rising this weekend. Um, however, the actual Rising took place on the 24th of April 1916, so we're just, uh, we're just one month, full month out from the actual 100-year anniversary. Having said that, it is, uh, it, is, it is Easter, and the state does this every year around Easter. They have uh, commemorations, and um, this one in particular 
particular, there's a lot of focus on it, a lot of people watching to see what's going on. And unfortunately, we've got a lot of frustration and anger at the government's centenary um, celebrations or commemorations in that they've sort of airbrushed history and tried to, you know, wipe clean what the actual rising was about. We're not having a discussion about the policies or the, the you know, the, the thoughts or the ideology of the, the rising leaders. Um, and instead, what the government have done in the run-up to this for the last 12 months now, actually, in the build-up has, has been to say, well, what they're saying is that we need to make this as, an, as inclusive as possible, give everybody a voice, including those who are opposed to the rising um, and those who actually called the rising leaders traitors. So they've been giving um, a lot of um, a lot of that side of the story unfortunately too much of that side of the story if if you ask most Irish people so there, there's been a really strange lead up to this anniversary uh, one that hasn't been appreciated by anybody who knows anything about Irish history and for those of us who are uh, aware of our history we're going to celebrate the rising next month on the actual anniversary on the 24th of april yes. where civil society groups trade union groups um, and all other uh, people of of all hues are coming together to celebrate and commemorate the 1916 rising on the 24th of april so i'm I'm looking forward to that one more, more so than the state's commemorations. To be yeah, perfectly of honest, and of course, but and and of course, we're seeing, we're really seeing the, the legacy of the Easter Rising uh, being under threat from the establishment uh, parties, like Fianna Fáil and like Fine Gael. But could you tell yeah. us about about that um, and the resistance from the socialist and Republican groups of you know of keeping the the memory of 1916 alive? Yeah, so there's been a. a all of the different groups have their own commemorations. Everybody, like in Ireland, as usual, wants to interpret the rising in their own particular way. The socialists will, particularly the Trotskyite uh, socialists, will have one le- one level of understanding, whereas the Sinn Féin um, guys would have their own um, level of understanding or interpretation of, of what the rising was about. So each of them are having their own events. Um, some of them are working together in most parts they're not. Um, Sinn Féin have done a, a lot of events all throughout the country, um, whereas I think the um, Trotskyite socialists are probably more uh, laid back on their celebrations because of the fact that there was a, a blood sacrifice involved. Um, however, you know, everybody is opening the textbooks again which is the good thing they're all looking at the writings of each of the, of the leaders which is which is really interesting and when you um, when you see the state commemorations you see what's going on sometimes your mind is brought back to some of the words that were used by the likes of Connolly um, who predicted sort of the outcome that we have today with this class of people who are um, you know, making an, an elite affair at the at the commemorations, bringing forward you know, just politicians to the front, wealthy elites. They're all sitting at the front celebrating the rising. And Connolly said, you know, just over a hundred years, one hundred and ten years ago, he said, if you remove the English army tomorrow and hoist the green flag over Dublin Castle, unless you set about the organisation of a socialist republic, your efforts would be in vain. England will still rule you. She would rule you through your capitalists, through her landlords, through her financiers, through the whole array of commercial and individualist institutions she has planted in this country and watered with the tears of our mothers and the blood of our martyrs and that is exactly what has happened we we now have a rising where people are you know celebrating or commemorating um 100 years ago where the proclamation was read reading out you know cherishing all the children of the nation equally right now we have 1700 homeless children 
in the city of Dublin. Mm-hmm. You know, the the rising couldn't be, you couldn't animate it anymore that it has been a, an abject failure, the, the, the state that has come into play in the 100 years since that rising. Mm-hmm. Um, and Connolly predicted this because of the, you know, the, the he, he, was a, he was a great analyst. He understood what was going on in, in capitalism. He was one of the best, actually. And Lenin and some of the other guys, um, some of the big, um, you know, uh, socialists of the time of that era would have recognized them as, as one of the greats. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, that's that's what we've seen, is that the, the class of people that Connolly warned, warned us about are the people who are sitting front and centre of these commemorations and hijacking it and stealing it for their own purposes. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it can be very frustrating at times to watch some of this stuff taking place, but unfortunately, there's nothing we can do at this moment in time, only to uh, interpret it ourselves and, and get out there and organise and mobilise for our own sort of commemorations and, and our own hopeful hopefully hopefully arising in the future yeah of course and also uh, as as really mentioned the centenary of East rising sends sort of echo, sends echoes through time as uh, the irish working class faces or say faces the european and british imperialism um, as well as the extremely reactionary ru- ruling class at home as you mentioned so how do you think this uh, say this compares to the situation before april 1916 right before the rising um, well, you have to take into account what Ireland was like in the even just if you were just to look at the 100 years before the rising. Um, when we had the what what is you know internationally known as the potato famine uh, in Ireland or the potato blight, um, but it was what is known you know now in Ireland as as as, as a Holocaust. Um, uh, you had the British establishment deliberately starving Irish people of food so that they could reduce the population in certain parts of the country. Um, during those, those period, those period of five to six years of, of that potato famine, of potato blight, uh, we had in the, the, the established classes or the political classes and the, you know, the capitalists, they actually increased their exports from Ireland during that period of time, during those years, um, in order to get uh, food out of Ireland and, and facilitate the starvation of of what we lost, we had eight million people before that. We ended up with just under three million people. So you're saying a loss of five million people of the population of Ireland at that particular moment in time. Um, that's some of that analysis was done by Connolly. He would have known, you know, the political, um, the, the the policies that they were chasing and the, why they were doing it. Um, and that that went back another fifty years before that as well. Um, so. Uh, I mean, when, what led up to the rising would have been two famines uh, and other, you know, sacrifices of the Irish, of the Irish people by the British um, establishment. That's what brought us to the point of a rising. You know, um, in 1913, where we had the the tram strike, uh, uh, people might be familiar with the 1913 lockout, which was the biggest ever. Uh, industrial dispute on the island of Ireland uh, where 404 employers got together and decided to uh, basically annihilate uh, the the ITGWU which was the the main trade union in Ireland run by Connolly and Larkin Um, and that class came together to fight against the working class who were starting to organise themselves Um, and it ended up in extreme poverty and deprivation and in 1913 as well you saw the the, polit- the political class rally in behind the employers. You saw the, the police baton charge the, the strikers, killing a number of them as well, um, which then led to the 
Irish Citizens Army in 1913 on the back of that strike, who were the one of the main, you know, there were two armies at the time in, in 1916, but the Irish Citizens Army were pivotal in their role. Obviously, Connolly was the founder. He was the, the, the main military force, I suppose, for the, for the rebels in 1916. So you can see all of these policies coming through. If you ever go through the writings of Connolly, he understood what was going on through capitalism and, and that class and what they were doing to the Irish people and the, the poverty levels in Ireland in 1913 were horrific. You had something like 40 people living in a room in, in, in the city centre, uh, usually so three or four families living in the one room at any particular time uh, because there was no accommodation um, it was it was stark, it was horrible and 1916 was on the back of that, that's that's the Irish Citizens Army were organised, they got together they joined the volunteers and they um, they struck a major blow at the, the not only the British Empire but at the capitalist class of Ireland um, one that they unfortunately have lost Tune in to Stick Together, all about workers' rights and social justice. 8.30am Wednesday, 6.30am Thursday, 7am Saturday. Or listen on demand on 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au. Welcome back. We are continuing our Easter special with a look at the Irish Easter Rising of 1916 with Dave Gibney. Looking at the legacy of Irish independence struggle and what it means for the social movements today. Yes, but I, thought, I thought we would uh, we'd really focus in particular on the figure of James Connolly and his role, his role in the Rising and, and the legacy leg- and its legacy. Now, as you, as you mentioned, you know, he was one of the signatories of the proclamation and the, and the commander of the Irish Citizens Army. But uh, there was so much more uh, uh, to uh, to that figure uh, than that. Um, could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I, I think you could actually, um, you know, you can break it down. Connolly has left us some great writings. That's that's the difference between himself and Larkin. Um, and you can, you know, you can go through some of his quotes, and that sort of gives you an understanding of what it what what the man was thinking at the time, you know. Um, and while people are out there, a lot of nationalists will be out there celebrating 1916 without a really clear understanding of what Connolly stood for. You know, there's one or two quotes. I'll read out one actually, just that I think is one of the best, better quotes. Um, Ireland as distinct from her people is nothing to me and the man who is bubbling over with love and enthusiasm for Ireland and can yet pass unmoved through the, our streets and witness all the wrong and the suffering, shame and degradation wrought upon people of Ireland, yea, wrought by Irish men upon Irish men and women without burning to end it is in my opinion a fraud and a liar in his heart no matter how he loves that combination of chemical elements he is pleased to call Ireland. So it's very clear there that Connolly understood that this wasn't about Irish people just getting their freedom because he knew that there was going to be people in Ireland who, a class of people in Ireland who would benefit anyway and would continue to exploit workers and exploit poor people. Um, so that, that was Connolly's understanding as opposed to a lot of the other nationalists who would have been fighting and just thought, we'll just get rid of Britain and everything will be fine, we'll get rid of the, the empire. Um, so Con- Connolly you know, for a long time, was a, he saw himself as a trade unionist first and foremost and um, he you know, travelled and he worked over in the United States and New Jersey and other parts. I think he was in Chicago for a while. Um, so he understood how class worked across borders. 
and that's what he was trying to do bring coming back to Ireland and organising for both in Belfast and then in, in Dublin as well was that the greatest way to challenge that level of power is to organise working people uh, in their employment in their workplace and, and uh, you know he remained a trade unionist through and through and the ICA became the, the army for the trade union in 1916 Um and yeah, I mean, he is for most people of the left in Ireland. He is the leader. Well, Pierce gets all, you know, applauded for being the, the provisional president president at the time. And um, Connolly was the brains behind, you know, what type of Ireland they wanted. Now, having said that, I'm not going to criticise Pierce too much because I've been doing a good bit of reading about Pierce too. And Pierce had a really clear understanding too about um, class and and how it operated, and in particular, he focused on education. And there's a great quote by Pierce that I found recently, um, where he says, "The modern school is a state-controlled institution designed to produce workers for the state, and is in the same category with a with a dockyard or a, any other state-controlled institution which produces articles necessary to the progress, well-being, and defence of the state." Um, it, he goes on to say about how we talk about education and like any other aspect of society in terms of its efficiency and its cheapness and its up-to-dateness, um, whereas he saw education as something much more important. It, it was about developing of character. It wasn't about producing something for an asset for the capitalist system. Um, so th- this was really you know, universal anti-capitalist sort of movement in, in, in some senses. It was, wasn't about producing the same class of people uh, that they could over or they could rule the Irish people. So um, what, what you had in 1916 was socialists, you had poets, you had education, you know, teachers, you had you, a, a diverse mix of people coming together at, at a particular moment in time um, and creating something very, very special, something that our political establishment now is trying to sweep under the carpet and say, no, no, no that's not what it was about. It was purely a blood sacrifice. That's not what it was about. These were great thinkers, um, all of them. Absolutely. And uh, Connolly among them, uh, Connolly really symbolized the socialist and the internationalist character of the Easter Rising. In, in some ways, you could even say that he was the Irish Lenin. Um, but uh, they think uh, his ideas and texts are, are rel- relevant today. And if you could point, point out some. Yeah, uh, I could actually. Um, there's some really uh, great writings from him. Actually, now that you've mentioned Lenin, Lenin actually said in 1916 that the, the biggest failure, the, the only failure of 1916 was that it only happened in Dublin, mm-hmm. uh, which was an interesting one. So you can see that he was watching Connolly and, and watching what was going on in Ireland as well. And um, unfortunately, other parts of the world probably weren't ready to rebel at that time. But you know, Ireland uh, traditionally has always seen whenever Britain is at war is seen as the best time for Ireland to strike, uh, to strike for its own freedom. Um, your question uh, about the, the, the internationalism of, of it all um, and, and its lessons for today, we, we've had in the last two, two and a half years, a massive, in Ireland, a massive anti-water charges campaign. Mm-hmm. I spoke to you about that before, uh, where on the 10th of, or the 11th of October, 2014, um, completely out of the blue, we decided we'd hold a, a, a major demonstration in the city centre. And, you know, everybody was expecting 10,000 people to turn up. Uh, on the day we had, we estimated originally 100,000 people turned up. It, it, it actually, it seems to have been bigger than that. There's been since 
been a number of experts who've come forward and told us that our estimates are way too short because the actual protest was 5.1 kilometres long. So they're, they've upped their estimates to just over 250,000 people, which is an enormous turnout in um, in Ireland. And um, we've since then had six more demonstrations. This, you know, one had more than 200,000 people, and every one of them has had 80, 90, 100,000 people. So you can you can see that there's something special going on at the mo- this moment in time. There's a bit of a rising taking place. Um, across communities in Ireland we've got you know dozens and dozens of people out every single morning blocking Irish water from installing water meters and and what they see as another imposition of austerity on them and that's taken place from Donegal to Cork yeah it's and it's almost like it's almost like this is kind of the the memory of Easter Rising echoing echoing to the to the social movements uh, of, uh, of, of Ireland today yeah, and the the big the big problem we have at the moment is that it's not organised, um, and it's not structured as coherently as they would have been back, you know, a hundred years ago. Um, there are probably there are definitely more activists involved uh, now than would have been a hundred years ago. The, the, it must be remembered that the rising wasn't very popular at, at that particular time. There was probably three thousand people who were actually fighting during that rising. Currently, there is definitely more than three thousand people engaged in the fight against Irish Water. I'm talking yeah. probably two hundred thousand people fighting in the fight against Irish Water. Um, but we're not structured, we're not organised, and we've been trying to do that for the last six or seven months is to see see what we can do to try and develop up some sort of an understanding and you know we've been traveling the country uh, myself brendan ogle john douglas stevie fitzpatrick and a couple of other trade unionists talking to community groups we've been giving presentations on political economy talking about neoliberalism you know the foundations of it really in, in chile and and what happened there with pinochet right up until modern day you know we go through reagan's policies thatcher's policies we have a discussion about all this stuff um, and then we throw and then the policy of water we give people an understanding of why major multinational corporations are coming for our water why they want it it's because of you know climate change it's because water is currently the most valuable commodity on the planet and and we're talking to people about the dangers of that and 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 the dangers of not resisting that so you can see a spark has been ignited somewhere in the communities across the country and we've been trying to facilitate that spark and help it you know get get a bit more fuel to that flame and 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 make all those flames burn together to try and create something big and we saw that with the outcome of the election where we we've never had an election like it's been actually incredible when when you look at the statistics of it where the two biggest parties in the country Fine Gael, Fine Gael failed to get even 50% of the vote. So that would be, you know, the equivalent. Up until, uh, you know, I think the 2007 election, those two parties combined with the Labour Party would have always reached 90% of the vote. Um, mm-hmm. So what we see now is less than 50% for the three parties. And that would be the equivalent of the Democrats and the Republicans in the United States not getting 50% of the vote, if you yes. know what I mean. So yeah, it's an incredible outcome. Yes, the, the, the government parties lost 56 seats, uh, you know, yes. out of a parliament of 166. So, I mean, the, the, the Labour Party now has been destroyed. They went from 37 seats down to, down to seven seats. So they lost 30 of their seats. We've got Fine Gael have lost 30 of their seats as well. So it's been, you know, a shocking election for the establishment. They don't know what's mm-hmm. going on on and unfortunately we haven't the left haven't worked together coherently in order to provide an alternative government and but we're we're, it's a slow process these things sometimes so we'll just keep working on
on it and, and keep fighting for it and keep educating people on that. That's what I think our role in the, the trade unions is, is to educate and to facilitate. And that's what we've been, we've been trying to do and we'll continue doing that. Yeah. But you, you mentioned, you know, about we mentioned about Connolly's writings and, and the role that the trade unions have played here. And, and I, I've just mentioned about the importance of education. That's that's really what Connolly was, was a, a really brilliant educator um, going from community to community, educating people. But um, his writings, you know, and how relevant they are today to, to society. He understood, you know, you hear a lot of liberals saying now about, you know, equality, economic inequality is one of the biggest challenges we had. People were saying that 100 years ago, where in the past, up until the 70s, we had... A class of people um, uh, who were cattle farmers, um, and they were the wealthy, uh, especially the ranchers around the Dublin region, and they would pass on, uh, you know, or, or earn huge money from the the smaller cattle farmers on the outskirts of the the cities. Um, and, and what has happened since the 1970s is those cattle farming families have now moved into the, the financial services sector. Um, and you can actually trace some of this stuff. Um, but this is stuff Connolly was looking at back 100 years ago before you know anybody else was looking at. And that's what I think we need to do again is start looking at class and capital and, and how it operates and how it works and how it reproduces itself and how we can change that and how we can challenge that. And I think there's only one group out there that are in a position to do that and challenge it, and that is the trade union movement. Of course. Of course. And just to finish off, uh, Dave, uh, do you think that now there is a potential in Ireland for another Easter rising, one, against, one that uh, brings together the movements against austerity, against neoliberalism, and against uh, the imperialism of the European Union together, and um, really, sh really helps to shatter shatter the, uh, the the political the political and economic system. Yeah, I, I think there's a potential for. It. I think it's it's been it started already. It it it's happened, and um, you know the 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 water charges movement and um, some of the other groups that are around haven't you know they've. They've been successful in some instances and in others it's been very frustrating because we're you know we're trying to get groups to work together and um, there's for historical reasons and sectarian reasons and for all sorts of reasons people just refuse to work together um, and that's to the detriment of the working class in in Ireland um, and what 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 may help or what could create some sort of an alternative um, or a rising, if that's what you want to call it, is if those people just, you know, put history aside temporarily, came together, like Connolly did with the volunteers, by the way. They were no friends of each other, Pierce and Connolly and the rest of them, up until a few months beforehand. Um, so, I mean, they would have respected each other's work, but they wouldn't have agreed with very much. But they saw the common enemy. And that's that's what really led to the rising. Um, so if we can get more people who who say they're concerned about economic inequality, they say they're concerned about the 1,700 children who are homeless, they say they're concerned about the 1 in 10 people in Ireland who suffer from food poverty or the 36% of children who are suffer, suffering from multiple deprivation or the 63% of lone parents who are suffering from multiple deprivation, all those problems that people are going around individually and saying, this isn't this terrible, isn't that terrible. But if they work together, they have the opportunity to change all that. I think there is a movement growing not only in Ireland but across the rest of Europe you see in Berlin there was a million people or so who protested against TTIP so when 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 that class of people are pushing TTIP and CETA and some of the other international trade agreements uh, on on our class uh, there has been a fight back it's just to see how coordinated that fight back will be of course of course well Dave thank you so much for joining us um, on Stick Together and um, we wish you all, all the best of luck and uh 
Uh, of course, enjoy, enjoy the upcoming proper celebrations of the centenary of the 1916 Rising. Great. Thanks, Anna. That was Dave Gibney from the Mandate Trade Union talking to us about the legacy of Easter Rising and the meaning of its centenary. We'd like to remind our listeners that this Saturday, April 2nd, there will be a rally to defend CSIRO organized by the Community Public Sector Union. It will commence at 12 p.m. at State Library. Also on Sunday, April 3rd, let us make Federation Square a fascism-free zone and gather at 2 p.m. to commemorate one year since the defeat of the Reclaim Australia rallies. The action is organized by the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism. Well, that'll be all for the show today. I'm Denis Rogatyuk. Thanks for listening to today's episode and make sure to tune in same time next week 